We want to uh, go to the word of the Lord tonight. We want to uh, hear from the Lord. I believe I've heard from the Lord. I believe you need to hear from the Lord. I pray you hear from the Lord more than just Sunday and Wednesday. I pray you hear from him every day. Amen. And so uh, thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Let me make a quick announcement. I think I saw her here. Is Casey here? Where is she at? Yeah, yeah, I did see her. She's right up here in the front. I knew she's here tonight. Casey is moving to Hawaii. And uh, we, well, we're clapping because we're happy she's leaving, right? No, no, no. Come on, straighten up. We're clapping because it's Hawaii, right? I mean, we're, we're gonna, she's going on a mission field. That's for sure. She's going to be in the dark reaches of Hawaii. Uh, but she took a nanny job there, and, and uh, there's a good church there. And in fact, I've got some good friends on the in the islands of Hawaii. Of course, they, they they're such good friends. They never asked me to come preach for them in Hawaii. I don't know what that's about. But anyway, anyway, uh, back to the back to the subject. Casey's moving, and her family would like to invite everybody to an open house and going away party this Sunday from 5 to 8 in the gym. We're also going to have special prayer for Casey on Sunday. We believe God's hand will be on her. Amen. He'll keep her and protect her. Not only that, but but uh, uh, keep her in that God-forsaken place. Amen. No. Amen. We love and appreciate Casey, and we're looking forward to her sending lots of pictures back. Amen. She likes to take, hey, I'm talking right now. Thank you. (laughs) One at a time. Uh, Casey likes to take pictures. I said, boy, you'll have plenty of subject there, you know, the, the, uh, everything that Hawaii has. But uh, anyway, we're, we're looking forward to that uh, party on Sunday, five to eight. Somebody say amen. Now, I want you to do something with me. I want you to pray, and I want you to pray that God would open your heart right now to his word and to what he wants to say to you. Would you do that right now? Would you just pray in your own way, amen, whisper a prayer, lift your hands. Just ask the Lord right now, Lord, speak to my heart in Jesus' name. Lord, talk to me. Lord, let me hear what your spirit has to say to the church. And Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would speak, Lord, to this congregation. I thank you for those that are gathered here tonight. And I pray right now that every ear would be tuned to your spirit, oh God, in Jesus' name. We ask it in Jesus' name. Lord, we bring our minds into captivity right now. We bring down every high thing, every thought that would exalt itself, that would try to get higher than your throne. We bring it down into captivity right now. We release the mind of Christ in us right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Thank you for being here on Wednesday night. I will say to you here tonight, there are spiritual things that the Bible says are only understood spiritually. So there are things that I will say in this format when we don't have a lot of guests. Now, we do have some that come on Wednesday night, and that's great. Uh, But I will say things in this format that I would never say on a Sunday morning when somebody could walk through the door for the first time. 
uh, because Paul tells us about who you feed milk to and who you feed meat to. Now, I'm sorry, you can choke people if you wish, but I don't want to choke people with the good word of God. I want them to get a taste of it, and I want them to want more of it. And I want them to realize there is more of it. But suffice it to say, I will say things on a Wednesday night that I wouldn't say in that environment. And I just want tonight to share with you what the Lord's laid on my heart. Now, in the last few weeks, we've talked about not loving the world. And so tonight, I want you to understand the time we are living in right now and what is happening right now in this time. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I want to know what's happening right now. Where am I right now? Okay, somebody say amen. Now, another thing I want you to do on Wednesday night, I think it's very important, bring your Bible with you. Everybody say, my Bible. Now, I know, I know, I got it on every digital format too, but there's just something about knowing what page, if it's on the left side or the right side. If you get familiar with it, you know by landscape what general area it's in. Okay, now you can't get that in digital format, okay? You have to know chapter and verse in digital format. Uh, So there are verses that are connected that I, with a pen, I'll connect them. There are notes in Revelation that I don't even have to need my notebook for. If I got my Bible, everybody say my Bible. I know, I understand. Well, I got my phone. Okay, if you're that smart, then uh, I, I give you kudos tonight. So there will be a quiz next week on what I preach tonight. So be sure you take good notes. Somebody say amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them I'm glad to see you in church tonight. Amen. And for all those that didn't catch it, tonight was red shirt night. Did you catch it? There's a few red shirts here tonight. The Red Shirt Club, Bill got it, I got it. All right, God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to begin tonight in Revelation 12. And in Revelation chapter 12, there are two wonders that appear. Everybody say two wonders. There's two wonders that appear in this chapter And I want to deal with those starting off because we are, now I will say this at the get-go. You're going to have to stay with me now. I'm going to go real quick, Uh, well, as quick as I can because I may, if a rabbit runs out, I may think he needs chasing. So I will go because I do have one point really tonight that I want to get to. But in Revelation chapter 12, there are two wonders now, what, if you study Revelation at all, there's a lot of verses uh, that uh, the subject changes and then goes back to the subject you were reading previously. So if you, if you're, uh, if you have attention deficit disorder, uh, this, when the subject changes, you may not get back to the other subject as quickly. So I want to group these verses together when they talk about the same thing so that you know what's being said here. So in Revelation chapter 12, verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. Everybody say twelve stars. Now the the image here is striking. It's a woman 
and it's, she's got a crown of 12 stars on her head, the moon's under her feet. Uh, this is, she is clothed with the sun, verse 2, and she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. Now she wasn't delivered, but she was about to be delivered of a child. Now who is this woman? And people say, well, that's, that's Israel, or well, that's Mary, or uh, could it be... Uh, for that matter, all women, or could it be the women of the lineage of David, or could it emphatically be just one woman and that be Mary? We'll get to that in just a minute. This is a woman, this is a wonder to John, and I think it's important who that is. Somebody say amen. There's another wonder in verse 3. So this woman's a wonder, and in verse 3 there appeared another wonder, if I say another wonder. So man, he's getting, in two verses he sees one wonder, and then the third verse he sees another. And a wonder in heaven, behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven. Now that's figurative, that's very important. And did cast them to the earth. Everybody say to the earth. I took those stars and threw them to the earth with his tail. He drew a third part of the stars. And uh, the dragon stood before the woman. Who's the woman? This woman clothed in the sun, the moon at her feet. She's about ready to give birth to a child. And the dragon stood before the woman ready to be delivered. And he stood there for a reason. It's in that verse. He wants to devour her child as soon as it is born. You understand that? Okay, now I'm going to go as slow as I have to go, but I think we're starting to get the picture. There's a woman who's clothed in glory with 12 stars, and she's about to give birth. And there's a dragon, the dragon who with his tail drew a third part of the stars from the heavens and threw them down to the earth. He is standing, waiting for this woman while she is in travail, this other wonder appears. And he stands before this woman to devour this woman, or the child that she's about to give birth to, excuse me. Now, there's something very important about the identity here, and let's start with this. This dragon, the Bible says, uh, the stars, a third of the stars had fallen. Now, we know what that's talking about. That's talking about a third of the angels. You understand that? So, uh, in fact, a few verses later, we find out this dragon is the old serpent, the devil. Everybody say the devil. So the devil standing before this woman to devour this child she's about to bring forth as soon as it's born. Now, the stars falling. When you think about a third of the angels falling, that happened very early in the Bible. Ezekiel describes it for us, but I believe, it's my personal belief, that happened before Genesis 1 verse 2. The earth was without form and void. Satan was thrown out, and then Moses is writing the book of Genesis. He doesn't even include it, but Satan's thrown out before the story of Genesis even begins. There's a lot we could say about that, but we do know something about this Man-child. We know that in Genesis 1 and 2 that Satan's already thrown out and he's thrown down to the earth. And we do know that by Genesis 3 there's a promise given to Eve that says you're going to give birth to a son that is going to crush the head of that serpent. 
and that serpent is going to bruise his heel. So from Genesis 3 on, that dragon knows there's a man-child coming. So you say, well, I want to know who that is. Well, now we're going to talk about uh, maybe Satan was ready to devour Eve's first child. Maybe he checked on every child. Maybe uh, through the history of Israel when God selected a people, then Satan uh, uh, focused on the lineage of David. Maybe when the prophet said what tribe he would come through, maybe Satan focused on every man-child out of that tribe. But make no mistake about it, when a virgin was found to be with child, the Bible tells us in Revelation that Satan wanted to destroy that child from Genesis chapter 3 on. So think about everything that happens from Genesis 3 on. Think about the flood. Think about Joseph being taken into Egypt. Think about all the turmoil. Think about Josiah being a seven-year-old king and all the other royal seed has been killed. Think about all the bloodshed of the Old Testament. This is really an onslaught of the enemy to wipe out that child from coming. Somebody say amen. From the very beginning, that dragon has stood before the woman to devour that man-child. But that man-child was born, wasn't he? Oh, yes, he was. Revelation chapter 12, verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child, and this man-child was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child, miraculously, is caught up to God uh-oh, and to his throne. Now, I know who's on that throne. Everybody okay? This child is caught up to the throne of God. And the Bible tells us when that child is caught up to the throne of God, there is war. Well, no wonder. Satan has wanted to destroy this child from Genesis chapter 3 on. Everybody still with me? If I see you nodding, we're just going to dismiss. So some of you that want to dismiss, some of you has got something to do, just... Now, please stay with me. Chapter 12, verse 7. Look at this. When that man-child, and I preached this part of it before, when that man-child is caught up to the throne of God, there's war in heaven. And Michael and his angels, that's the warring angels, they fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels. Now remember, the, in, in, earlier in this chapter, this, that, that dragon has already taken a third out of heaven and thrown him to the earth. So we're not backing up in the story in this war saying, oh, well, they're back up in heaven now and he's, they hadn't been thrown out and we're just going back. And No, that's not what this is saying. Those angels, a third of the angels have already been cast out in the earth. But when that man-child gets to, gets to the throne of God, there was a war between God's angels and the dragon's angels. And the Bible tells us who won the victory. God's, Michael and his angels won the victory. And verse 8, and prevail not, Satan did not prevail, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Everybody say their place was not found anymore. Say it again, their place was not found anymore. That's very important. The great dragon was cast out. Wait a minute. He's already been cast out. That old serpent called the devil, when that man-child was accepted on the throne of God, Satan lost his place. 
Now that's very important. The word place in the Greek is topos. That means the post or function customarily occupied by a person. That means when Jesus was exalted to the throne of God, Satan lost his function. He would already cast out. But when Jesus died, was buried, was resurrected and ascended on high, Satan lost his post or function. Now this was not the first expulsion that happened in Genesis before Genesis 1-2, I believe. This is Satan and his angels losing their function. Everybody okay? The function occupied by Satan is no longer needed. A post occupied by Satan is no longer relevant. So what was that place? What was his function? Well, it's right there in that chapter, verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is salvation come and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren... He's already been thrown out of heaven, but he still had a place. He had a function, and his function was to accuse God's people day and night. The Bible says that war was raged and Satan lost his post or function. The accuser of the brethren was cast out. Who is them in this verse? He accused them day and night. I believe it's the whole world. He's not talking about Michael and his angels. It's not talking about he accused them, the other angels. He's the accuser of the world, not only just God's people and the brethren. He is thrown out when something happens, and it's in this verse. Everybody say, now. Salvation, strength, kingdom of our God, and power of his Christ. Now, that's we understand that. Somebody say, I understand that. What is it that caused this war and Satan losing his post or function, which was to accuse? The next verse tells us they overcame him. They, who? Anybody who believes. Whosoever will, let him come. This is not just God's select people. They overcome. If you're going to overcome, you're going to overcome by the blood. That's not talking about angels. That's talking about the whole world. Whosoever will. Salvation has appeared to all men. Somebody shout all men. And we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Now we know that. The blood caused a war in heaven. Jesus' blood, you know, speaks greater things than the blood of Abel. And when Jesus' blood was accepted as payment... For sin, oh praise God, Satan lost his function and post that he had occupied since the fall of mankind. He's always appeared accusing. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, stay with me. Oh wait, not me. Say, stay with him. (laughs) Well, maybe, maybe if your wife's beside you, you should say, stay with me. Please. I want to look at Job chapter 1 verse 6. Now Job, if you know anything about the Bible, and I am going somewhere, so stay with me, okay? Job is the oldest book in the Bible. In chronological order, Job was written by Moses first before he ever wrote Genesis. That's interesting. He wrote it about a man evidently that he knew or heard about. 
probably didn't know because Job, Job lived in antiquity. He was probably much, come from a different time era than Moses. But Moses, through lineage or, or family, these, he, the story of Job had been passed down. And Job chapter 1 verse 6, it, now there was a day, I might say a, a day, when the sons of God came to present themselves, and the sons of God here are the angels, and Satan came also with them. Now I want to cut to the chase. Satan no longer does this. He's lost his place. This is before Calvary. This is before the blood. So we don't get theology from the book of Job that shows Satan in heaven arguing about some of God's people. This is before the blood was spilled. This is before Jesus is exalted to the highest place in heaven. And Satan came and, and, and the Lord said, where have you been? And Satan said, well, I've been walking up and down the earth. I've been looking. I've been watching because I want to accuse somebody. <laughs> Hello? So what happened in the book of Job does not happen anymore because Satan has lost his function. Why? Because he cannot accuse anybody for that matter because the blood has paid the sacrifice for sin. Come on, that ought to make somebody thankful. That ought to make somebody excited. Oh yes, the blood has paid the price for sin. Let's give the Lord a good hand clap if you believe that. Now Jesus ties something to this and we've been hitting this the last four weeks. John chapter 12 verse 31, it'll come back to you now. You'll wonder why I took the long way, but you'll see it in a minute. John chapter 12 verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now is the prince of this world cast out. Look at that. This is Jesus in John 12 getting ready to go to Calvary. He tells us, now is the prince going to be cast out. Almighty God threw him out before the world was ever, you know, at the, early in the story, Satan was cast out for his rebellion, but he's about to lose his place. And the next verse tells us, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, he's telling us when this is going to happen. The prince is going to lose his place when I am lifted up. Oh, praise God. So... We need to understand what time we are in right now. Where are we? Let's go back to Revelation 12 and let's look at verse 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath. Everybody say he's really mad. He's really mad because he knows he has a short time. Now, if he lost his place when the blood was accepted in that heavenly tabernacle and Jesus was placed in the highest position, the Bible calls it the right hand of God, if he is now on the throne of God, at that moment, Satan, the Bible says, came down to the earth with great wrath knowing his time is short. That's been 2,000 years ago. Satan roared out of heaven 2,000 years ago saying, I don't have much time left. Wow. There's a message there, but I digress. Verse 13, and when the dragon saw that he was cast out into the earth, look at this, he persecuted the woman which had brought forth the man child. He's come down with great anger knowing he has a space of time to work. Now, Scripture specifically tells us of things that will happen during the time of the harvest. Now, I believe emphatically we are moving very close to the time of the harvest. Yeah. 
I know Revelation, and we we could get in. We had a class uh, year a little over a year ago. We're going to have it again. I promise. We're going to have it again. You'll probably want to come. But in one of those uh, one of those uh, moments, John sees a star fall out of the sky, and its name is Wormwood, and it hits the water. And what's odd, you know, you see, when you look at Wormwood, the actual word uh, Chernobyl actually translated is Wormwood. Now, for years we know what happened at Chernobyl, but that didn't cause the devastation of what happened in Revelation. But we saw yesterday, you do recognize what happened yesterday. We fired a missile, a bullet hitting a bullet. You do recognize what's that, what that is for, right? It's to avert a nuclear uh, war. Somebody, a rogue nation or a, a, a nation that hates us fires a number of nuclear missiles and we have uh, what Ronald Reagan called Star Wars. They tested one of them yesterday. It intercepted an intercontinental ballistic missile and blew that missile up in the air. Now John sees this. He sees this Chernobyl or this nuclear uh, warhead fall out of the sky and hit the water. (laughs) We're in the harvest time, folks. I believe we're in harvest time. Now, Scripture tells us what happens in the harvest time. Look at Revelation 14, verse 15. And another angel came out of the temple, listen, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle, and reap for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Everybody say, the harvest is the reaping of the earth. When you see the term, it's harvest time, that means it's time to reap the earth. This is a spiritual uh, statement about God gathering somebody. Just like you do in a harvest, God gathering somebody, right? He's not here for your tomatoes and your onions. He's here to gather people. Somebody say amen. So in Matthew chapter 13, we find a parable about the wheat and the tares. The good seed is sown, the Bible tells us. The enemy came in the middle of the night and sowed tares. You know, the Bible says that the question is asked, should we go pull up the tares? And the Lord said, no, leave the tares, let them grow together because I don't want the wheat damaged. I don't want anything messing up the harvest. Let them grow up together. In Matthew 13, 30, look at what it says. Let them grow up together. And in the time of harvest, everybody say harvest. I will say to my reapers, now we know who the reapers are, they're the angels. Gather ye together first the tares. Everybody say first the tares. First the tares. Gather first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. Notice that. It doesn't say gather the tares and burn them. It says gather them to burn them. It's like the judgment has already been rendered. Gather together that which is disobedient. Gather together that which is not going to benefit the harvest. And gather it to burn it. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now notice that. Notice another significant note to consider is mentioned by John the Baptist in Matthew 3. Verse 12, whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor, everybody say his floor, and gather his wheat into his garner, but he will burn up the chaff with what? 
unquenchable fire. We find here John talking about that same thing. And he says what he's going to do is he's going to drive the chaff away with his fan. Everybody all right? So in both of these instances, Jesus in Matthew 13, John in Matthew 3, we find where they both correspondingly say that before you gather the wheat into the silo, you got to first get rid of the tares and you got to first get rid of the chaff. Now we just found out how they are going to take the, the tares and bind them, put them together to burn them. But the chaff, how do you... Get rid of chaff. Well, in those days, you'd put all the wheat, everything you, you reaped, everything you cut in the field, you would throw it into an air, a flat area that was exposed to the wind. And what that farmer would do is he would get some type of, type of, uh, of, of implement or something, shovel if you want to call it such, or a scoop, and he would throw that stuff up into the wind. Now what would happen would be the wind would come and blow out all the chaff, all the junk, all the stalks from the wheat and all the stuff you don't want to get in the wheat. And he would just keep doing that until all he had left was the wheat. And then he would take the wheat and put it in his barn. Now what we're getting here, church... You need to understand what your pastor is saying tonight. The first gathering is not the rapture of the church. The first gathering is not the wheat. Everybody with me? Don't wonder, you'll miss it. I mean, if you get off for one second, you're going to miss it. We all talk about the gathering together in the sweet by and by, and I'm thankful for that. But the first gathering is going to be that of the tares and that of the chaff being blown away. Now listen, folks, there's a reason. There's a reason why people that don't know God or don't care about God or maybe even that knew God, the Bible says there's going to be a great falling away. There, there. Now, I know I've heard people, I went to Bible school, and they said, oh, that doesn't mean falling away. That means catching away. Now, wait a minute. The Bible doesn't say falling away. It means something totally different. So we understand what this is saying. I, I, you wonder why people have faith, and then all of a sudden they walk out on God. You wonder how people can, can be so sincere, and then, and then you just watch them kind of wander off. You pray for them, you ask God to touch them and, and you ask God to move on them and you reach for them and, and all those things. But I'm telling you, we are in an hour where it looks like the chaff is starting to drift away. There are saints of God in this room that are drifting and I want to tell you, if you feel yourself drifting, you better get awaken yourself. You better get urgent about who you are and what you're doing. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. He will thoroughly purge his floor. Now the enemy knows that his function and post has been lost. His accusations have no grounds or merit. He cannot convince God to not save you. I'm going to say that again. The devil cannot convince God to not save you. I, there's, he has no function anymore in that regard. He, he's lost his place. There is no sin too great for which you cannot be forgiven. 
Oh, somebody ought to... Somebody ought to hear what I just said. I said there's no sin that's too big that God cannot forgive. I don't care how bad you feel. I don't care how horrible it was. There is no accuser any longer. In fact, Satan knows there's nothing he can do to hinder or diminish the grace of God in your life. Absolutely. But don't you ever forget, we are saved by grace. But don't you ever forget, your access to the grace of God is not through grace, it's through faith. We are saved by grace through faith. And Satan knows he cannot stop God's amazing grace to your life. The moment you say, Father, I have sinned, he says it's no longer remembered. The moment you said, Father, forgive me, he forgives your sin. Oh, praise But I want to tell you what Satan knows. He knows that God will never stop loving you or reaching for you. But he knows that the door into that is your faith. Faith is the door by which you have access to the grace of God. So make no mistake about it. Satan wants you in hell and not in heaven. And he knows that nothing he can say to God can change God's mind about you. So what does he do? He doesn't work on God. He works on you. If he can get you distracted in this last hour, he will do it. If he can get you to doubt and lose your faith in this last hour, he will do it. If he can get you loving yourself in this last hour, he's going to do it. If he can get your attention on this world, he's going to do it. Oh, yes, he will. If he can get you to fall in love with this world and not just the evil, also the neutral, he's going to do it. He wants you to be gathered first. He wants you in the chaff. He wants you with the tares. Turn to your neighbor and say, I believe what he's talking about. I don't think I've gotten out of the Bible yet, so let's stay there. Let's look at Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. Satan wants you to lose your faith right now. Listen, men, ladies, married couples, young adults, teenagers, not many kids here tonight. Make no mistake about it, Satan wants you to get distracted in this moment. Now in Revelation chapter 9, the Bible says the fifth angel sounded. Everybody say the fifth. The fifth angel. Now this is important. I don't have time for this. I'm not going to chase this rabbit. But we do know that Paul talks about what's going to happen at that last trump. Anybody know what's going to happen at that last trump? We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. That's where that verse is. It says that last trump is when the saints of God that are dead are going to come blasting out of the ground. And we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Everybody say in the air. That's not when he comes back to the earth. That's when he comes in the air. That's the rapture of the church. Everybody say the last trump. That's the seventh trump. This is not the seventh. This is the fifth. 
So this is before that catching away. And the Bible tells us the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and there rose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. Unto them was given power. Everybody say power. As of scorpions of the earth have power. It was commanded to them that they should not hurt. Listen, they are locusts. Now you know what locusts do, don't you? They eat green stuff. But these locusts have power like scorpions and they're commanded to not touch anything that's green. Don't touch the grass. Don't touch any trees. Don't touch any green thing. But I tell you who you are to torment. Only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. You reading that? This star falling we have already seen that Satan and the end time is going to be marked. The fifth trumpet, listen, the bottomless pit is going to be opened. Now listen, there's enough hell in this world to go around right now. But the Bible tells us if it has not already happened, it's about to happen. And I believe it's already happened because in the end time, it's going to be a time marked by a special release of satanic forces. Men and women will find themselves up against spiritual powers with which before they have not had to contend with. And the Bible says, only hurt those who have not the seal of God. Friend, I want to tell you, if you're playing a game with God, you better get that game over with quick. If you're trying to straddle the... I want to tell you there is darkness running rampant in this world today. We are wrestling with spiritual powers the which we have never seen before. Oh yes we are. But it's not going to hurt those who are sealed with the seal. Oh, turn to your neighbor and tell them I don't want it hurting me. What is that? 1 Corinthians 1, 21. Look at this. You want to know what that seal is? Now he which established us with you in Christ hath anointed us. The one that established us with Christ and anointed us is God. Who also sealed us and given... who has also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. The one who has established us and anointed us with Christ is God, and he has sealed us. Everybody say he sealed us. With the earnest of the Spirit, Ephesians 1.13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit. Oh, praise God. The seal spoken of in Revelation 9 is not some word that appears on somebody's forehead. It is the Holy Ghost. The seal is the Holy Ghost, which Paul says is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession. He said, I know, I want to tell you, until you get to heaven, the Holy Ghost is going to keep you. The Holy Ghost is going to protect you. I want to tell you right now, if you're here and you're not full of the Holy Ghost, you are in danger. The devil is after you. He wants. I wish I could come and pray through everybody in this room tonight, but you've got to have your own personal experience with God. 
Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. You're sealed. Gotta have the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 4.30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day. Wait. The seal is not some magic formula. The seal is not some stamp that he's gonna come put on everybody's forehead. The seal is the Holy Ghost. So in Revelation 9, there is an onslaught that comes out of hell that's never appeared before. At the fifth trumpet, there is a bottomless pit that's opened and satanic forces that have never been loosed on this earth are gonna be loosed on this earth. And they are told, don't touch any green thing, but everything that doesn't have the seal of God on it. So I begin to wonder why people start drifting. They start thinking crazy things about church and God and God's not this and I used to believe that and I, I want to tell you what, we are under an onslaught of darkness and demonic forces and if you don't stay prayed up, all of a sudden your mind will start wondering and your, your faith will start getting weak and you'll wonder what's happening. Well, I go to church. Well, I'm telling you, going to church isn't good enough. Well, I go to prayer meeting. Well, going to prayer meeting isn't good enough. You've got to have the seal on you. You've got to be full of the Holy Ghost. Oh, let's love the Lord right now and praise him just for a minute. I'm, I'm hurrying. I don't know about the rest of you, but I want to stay prayed up. I don't know about the rest of you, but I want to stay full of the Holy Ghost. It's the thing that keeps me from being overtaken. 1 Timothy 2, 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. The Lord knows everybody that's his. The Lord knows where the wheat is. I want to tell you something. The Lord knows where the wheat is in this church. And make no mistake about it, if he knows where the wheat is, he knows where the chaff is. Reminds me of an old song, when the roll is called up yonder, I want to be there. I don't want nothing getting me out of the church. I've said it before, I'm not gonna be, I didn't get saved for anybody and I'm not gonna be lost for anybody. I, you, you can call me whatever you wanna call me. You can say God's not real. You can laugh at my songs. You can sleep through my sermons. I wanna tell you what, I'm gonna stay full of the Holy Ghost because I'm not gonna let you get me in the chaff. No. I'm not gonna let you take the fruit out of my life and me become a tear because I know what's gonna happen in the last days. God is gathering those that are tares. I'm gonna burn that, I'm gonna burn that. Before this is all over, I'm gonna burn that. I'm gonna burn that too and I'm gonna burn that. And then he's gonna gather his wheat. There is a marked delineation, not before his people are taken. The first definition is not these are my people. The first definition is these are not my people. And I know we think, well, one of these days we're gonna get up there and he's gonna say depart from me and well done and there's gonna be a dividing of the sheep and the goats. Well, I wanna tell you what, through those parables, it looks like before the rapture of the church, he's already getting the goats out. Everybody okay? You guys okay? All right. You guys okay over here? 
Casey, you all right? Okay, good. I hope you don't have Hawaii on your mind. <laughs> the Lord knoweth them that are His. Debate all you wish, but the Word declares that in the last days there will be a trumpet sound before the last trump. And at that time, there will be a difference between God's people who are sealed and other men and women mentioned. The difference in Revelation 9 will be the same difference found in the book of Exodus when God's people were about to get out of Egypt. You, you do remember that on that fateful night, God put a difference between the Egyptians and his people. And you know what it was? It wasn't their family lineage. It wasn't their long brown face and their long brown nose. It wasn't just because they were Jews. No, the difference was the blood. <laughs> No, I said the difference was the blood. And we're not anything special. We come from different backgrounds. We're not all the same nationality. And we're not all in the same family. But there is a difference between us and the Egyptians. And it is the blood. I don't go where I used to go. I don't care what the world's doing. I don't listen to what they listen to because of the blood. Don't clap your hands under the Lord. Now, now, this is how subtle this is. I'm, I'm talking about how dangerous it is in the last hour to not stay full of the Holy Ghost. I just want to tell you as a pastor, I'm not comfortable with old time Pentecost. I'm going to say that again. Because old time Pentecost thought that if you talk in tongues once, your ticket's stamped and you're on your way to heaven. There are people in this church that think if they pray through about three times a year, they're good. They don't have to worship, don't have to come to the altar, never see them raise their hand hardly, come to prayer meeting maybe 10 times a year. Because they get prayed through about three times a year. Oh, we really need a good praying through. We like heroin addicts. Man, I need another shot. Everybody okay? I'm not comfortable with that. Every time in Acts, when they gather together, it is, it is spoken of in Acts 2, in Acts 8, Acts 10, and Acts 19. Every time they gather together, the Holy Ghost fell, and it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to get the Holy Ghost every service. Oh, I know that's foreign and that's strange, but you better stay prayed up because there is an onslaught of darkness fixing to hit this world that's going to destroy everything that doesn't have a seal on it. I don't know about you, but I want to be full of the Holy Ghost. Woo! Yeah. Now, with that all said, man, that's a long introduction. I'm closing. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling jokes now. The Bible says in the days of Noah and the days of Sodom give us a great example of what I'm talking about. Everybody turn to your neighbor and tell them the days of Noah the days of Sodom are a good example of what it's going to be like in harvest time. Okay, if that's the case, 
Jesus stated it would be the same in the day of his return, the gathering, the harvest, as it was in the days of Noah and Sodom. Now, I know what you're thinking. Make no mistake, the Spirit moved on people and animals to get in the ark. I mean, how, how insensitive do you have to be to see two roaches going up the plank? Other roaches playing around. Two gorillas, male and female, and other gorillas swinging from the trees. I don't, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, Homer, to be standing by that gangplank and watching this phenomenon and not saying, now wait a minute, if there's a male and female going in that ark and there's other, hundreds of them playing out here, I don't want to be out here playing when something's moving on these two. Something in me would say, now wait a minute, God, get a hold of me. There are things, there's stuff, help me brother Rob, help me. There's stuff playing out there, but God's gathering some, oh my God. Somebody shout, a flood's coming. Somebody shout, a flood's coming. Yes, it is, and there are people, and they may just be two, but they are gathering into that ark. They're getting in that safe place. And there's, there's young men in this room swinging from their tails from tree to tree, doing crazy stuff, doing nutty stuff, while people that are sensitive to God are gathering in, and they're getting closer to God. Some of you are playing games while there's people heading into the ark. Are you observant in any way? Yeah. The Spirit moved on people and animals. What were the conditions? Well, look at, and I'm closing. Luke 17, 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it, also, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Look at this. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Look at this. I know. When I said as it was in the days of Noah, I, I know you instantly go to unrighteousness and sin and bad stuff and pornography and, 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 and uh, homosexuality and, and, and gender uh, neutered society and you go, you go to all the dark. And you, but notice what Jesus said. Did you see it? As it was in the days of Noah and Sodom. And look at the list. In Noah's day, they ate, they drank, they married, now that's the husband, and they gave in marriage, that's the wife. They ate, drank, and got married. Not a mention in there about pornography, homosexuality, bestiality, none of that. The Lord said what marked Noah's day. They ate, they drank, and they got married. Not a sinful thing mentioned, right? Is there anything wrong with eating? 
My God, if we start preaching against that, some of you, well, I'm gonna be lost, preacher. Look at Lot's day, Sodom and Gomorrah. I know when we say Sodom, you say, oh, I know what that means. Wait, Jesus said as it was in the days of Sodom, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built it. Not one mention of what we call sin. This is the subtlety of this hour right now. You are dead set against sin and unrighteousness. But you haven't realized how distracted you have gotten. I've been preaching for three weeks on loving not the world. And you get excited when I say certain things about certain sins. But notice in Noah's day nor Lot's day did Jesus ever mention a sin. No. Surely it was so in the day in which they lived. Surely there was sin. We know there. Amen. About to lose my wires. Get my wires crossed. My goodness. You know you're gaining weight when your belly starts trying to eat your microphone. Well, the devil lost his place. All right. There we go. That'll work. Just stick it in your pocket. It's... It feels real weird, but I hope it's okay. While there's much sin and violence in Noah and Lot's day, amen, Jesus says, I want to tell you how subtle Satan is. He says, while there's much sin and violence in the day in which he'll come back, this shows a greater danger than homosexuality. This shows a greater danger than pornography. This shows a greater danger than losing gender distinction. You understand it? Jesus said in the days of Noah, they were eating, drinking, and marrying, and giving in marriage. There's a greater danger the church is going to grapple with than with just unrighteousness. Now, if we came in here and said, now we're going to accept some of these things, holy people are going to rise up and say, not on my watch. We are built to reject unrighteousness. But that's not the danger of Noah's day. Surely it was sinful because God said, I repent, I even made him. But the greater danger with which the church will grapple is eating and drinking and selling and buying and planting and building. And What are you saying, preacher? What I'm saying is these things are not unrighteous. They're just worldly. And you're distracted. I'm preaching to a complacent people here tonight. Have you ever in all your days paid so much attention to this world? I want you to think about what you've thought about today. Just take an inventory of what went through your gray matter today. All of it was worldly. Most of it was worldly. They say, oh no, I'm standing, oh no. I'm talking about eating, drinking, buying, selling, and building. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about everything that ties you to here. 
You know what bugs me? I'm a, I'm, this is fixing to be meat. If there's any babies here, shut their mouth and don't let them have any of this. But it bugs me when I see the ends. No, it, you, you go to all kind of ends to meet all kind of uh, needs for yourself. You, you drive hundreds of miles to go shopping. You drive hundreds of miles to go try the restaurant. You're buying and you're selling and you're so busy you can't even pray wow is right we're not talking about pornography or homosexuality we're just talking about food and clothing and planting and selling and maybe Jesus was saying Noah and Lot's day had attention deficit disorder they got distracted by stupid stuff that wasn't going to matter for eternity. While I've been preaching about worldliness, you've been examining your heart and right you are to do so. But I want to tell you something tonight. Something more subtle than that. More dangerous than that. Something more dangerous than unrighteousness is you getting so distracted in this last hour that you can't pray and worship Somebody say amen. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord right now. Just, just lift your hands up and say, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me, Lord. Help me hear your word. Distracted. I want you to think right now. I want you to think right now. And I, I know we smirk about it. We kind of we smile behind our, but I'm serious about it. I'm serious about it. I'm very serious about it. I get very convicted when something has so much of my time and I say I can't serve God, I can't witness, I can't go to church. I'm tired, I'm weary. And listen, folks, we can all get weary and tired. But what are you getting tired over? Well, Gene, I have to work. Yeah, but you know what? You need to make sure that you save your best sacrifice for the Lord. I'm preaching to people that would say, oh, Brother Gene, I would never be late for work. <laughs> I talked to somebody, well, I won't, I won't tell you when, but I, I said, listen, if you listen, if you're not careful, if you treat people like this, if you treat people like this at work, you would get fired. And they say, oh, I wouldn't dare do this at work because I'd get fired. I said, absolutely. But you do it at church. Because we're not paying you to be here. You don't have to be here so you'll have a retirement. You have no motivation here. It's all heavenly. It's spiritual. It's unseen. I'm not bored. I'm not wasting my time. I don't want to get... Some of you, when we say, let's go on a fast, you're like, fast? Is he nuts? Okay, I'll fast. I'll give up bubble gum this week. Oh, thank you. The Bible tells us about the last days. Their God is their belly. Going here, going there. These are things that become a burden. Look at Matthew 6, 
Verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Listen to that. All that stuff he said about Noah's day, he's telling us, listen, don't let eating get a hold of you. Don't let drinking get a hold of you. Don't let clothes get a hold of you. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Oh yeah, you need to eat. Yeah, you need drink. And yes, you need clothing. But seek ye first the kingdom. Are you hearing your pastor? Seek ye first. First the kingdom. Somebody shouted first the kingdom. Yeah. No, teenagers, he didn't say first a wife. He didn't say first a husband, Christy. Linnell, he didn't say first a husband. He said first the kingdom. He said, I know what you need. But if you're not careful, you'll commit the same sin that was committed in Noah's day. They were eating and drinking and getting married. So distracted. Am I okay? Seek ye first. For many, these are the most are almost the sole topics of conversation. There's a power at work that forces you to consider these matters. For some of you, it's all you talk about is where you're going to eat, where you bought that outfit. Wow, he's right, Lynn. Not one, it startled me, Brother Bill, that when Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah and Sodom, and when I read it, I think of all the terrible stuff. And then he said, they were eating, drinking, getting married, building, planting, selling, and buying. Sounds like my life. Sounds like your life, doesn't it? I think the call of the Spirit is, don't get distracted by what you got to do every day. Not to hear the Lord saying, seek me first. Come to my table first. Fellowship with me first. I want them to come to the music. There's a power at work that forces you to consider these matters. You think your very existence demands that you pay attention to them. Yet scripture warns us that the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost bids us, first of all, to seek the kingdom of God in His righteousness and assures us that as we do that, all these things that we feel like we need will be added to us. Be careful when you say, I don't think I can live without that. The Holy Ghost bids us to to be carefree in the matters of food and clothing. Listen, but by judging all our anxieties, By judging what we worry most about, this is not the case. The Spirit bids us to be carefree in the matters of food and clothing, but judging by our fears, this is not where we're at. There is a special power at work. You read it in Revelation 9. A darkness coming on this earth. 
Jesus said, unless those days be shortened, even the very elect would not make it. Listen, I want to tell you, we're in trying times. And there's a power of darkness at work that's reserved for this day. And it's not about sin and violence and unrighteousness. It's just about your focus. Undue attention to eating, drinking, planning, building, etc. That's far from normal. Satan, who now controls the world and the things in it, is luring us into a distraction. Oh, that we would recognize the subtlety of this danger. I'm talking about not loving the world. Well, it's getting quiet. You remember two weeks ago, I talked about the church. Remember that? It's been through the fire. Oh, yeah, but the fire couldn't burn. Remember that? In the past, the church met all kind of difficulties, and God delivered them from them all. The church in China, it is fact that they don't pray for deliverance. They pray for persecution. Because persecution comes, the church grows. That's how the church expands. All sorts of difficulties. But the pressures of today, oh, it's not persecution. Not here anyway. Now in Egypt, Coptic Christians are being killed and slaughtered. But we're not experiencing it here. Oh no, we're going to sleep. We got people that can't even get out of their chair and get to church. But I'll tell you one thing, they hadn't missed a meal. They hadn't missed their job. They got perfect attendance there. Oh, I'm preaching to you tonight. Yeah. The church has come through much difficulty. In the pressures of today, not persecution, not outright ungodliness, yet the church has begun to slumber. Bewildered by the pressures of today, well, I need to work, and work tells you you need to work, and work says you need to work, and husband says you need to work, and wife, church says absolutely need to work. But wait a minute, this is the point. We are so busy eating, drinking, marrying, planning, buying, selling, coming, going. Jesus didn't say there's stuff wrong with that. No, he said you're doing so much of that, you cannot simply trust God. You begin to trust yourself. You become self-made men and women. You've learned how to do it. How long has it been since you felt God? Let me ask you that. Take an inventory of your life. How long has it been since tears ran? Huh? So you can get so busy doing the things necessary to just live that you simply cannot trust God. Revelation 22, verse 10, I close. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Everybody say, the time is at hand. I want to tell you what, we're getting real close to this day right here, verse 11. The time is at hand. Everybody say, the time is at hand. We're getting really close to this day right here. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. 
Something gets a hold of me when I start reading these words. For the Holy Ghost says, when the time is close. Now, you know what that time is. He's talking to John. He's talking about all this stuff he showed him in Revelation. He said, now, I want you to know, don't seal the sayings of this book. I want everybody to hear it because the time is at hand. There's coming a day, friend, that he that is unjust, he will be unjust. He that's filthy, he will be filthy still. He that's righteous, let him be righteous still. He that's holy, let him be holy still. I want to make it to that day. I don't know, Mason, when that day is going to transpire. I don't know what on the clock is going to be the day when God says, all right, everybody that's holy is going to always be holy. And everybody that's filthy is going to always be filthy. But on that day, I want to be in the holy crowd. I don't know when that day's coming, but I know it's coming. I've talked to people and I thought, how can they get so twisted? How can they get so belligerent? How can they get so rebellious? And this this verse comes to my mind. Have we reached the point when those that are saved are going to be saved and those that are lost are going to be lost? Maybe... If we tie this verse to Jesus saying, He that endureth to the end. End of what? That day right there. When God says, enough's enough. He that's holy, I call him holy. He that's filthy, let him remain filthy. That's the day the tares are gathered. That's the day the chaff is blown away. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying to you here that are distracted. Don't get distracted in this hour. Don't go to sleep. Don't let anything get a hold of you. I'm preaching to you. Don't let anything get a hold of you that will keep you out of the kingdom. Well, they said this, or they didn't call me, or nobody sent me a card. Listen, that stuff's not worth you losing your soul over. No, stay full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, well, I better not go there. I started to chase a rabbit, and in my wisdom, I'm out of breath. I can't chase anymore. Look at verse 12. Let he that's righteous be righteous still. Him that's holy, let him be holy still. Look at verse 12. Behold, I come quickly. Look at that. It's at his coming that this this mark delineation is made. My reward is with me to every man, to give every man according to his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, first and last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates of the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers. Sorcerers. Everybody say sorcerers. I mentioned it in the men's class. This word for sorcerers is pharmacos. Pharmacos. It's where we get the word pharmacy. He's talking about drug addicts. 
outside are dogs and drug addicts and whoremongers and murders and idolaters and those that love lies. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things. I'm telling you what's gonna happen and I'm the root and the offspring of David, the bride and morning star and the spirit and the bride say, come on. Let him that hear it say, come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will. Listen, I want to tell you something, friend. You can be saved if you want to. Oh, let's stand together. Come on, stand up on your feet. I want you to reach over and pray for somebody beside you. Lord, I pray you touch my brother and my sister. God, there, there are saints of God in this room that are so cold in their spirit. They are so cold in their spirit and I know it, Lord, and you know it. And I'm reaching for them tonight, God. The devil's got them distracted with eating and drinking and driving and going and they just have a customary time for you on Wednesday night. I'm gonna go to church and punch my clock. Come on, I'm calling for some saints of God that feel a growing coldness in their spirit and they say, preacher, I'm not gonna grow cold. I'm gonna allow God to move on me. Come on, the altar's open. Come on, I know every Wednesday night we do something different, but tonight the altar's open. Come on, somebody that's cold, now's your time. Come on, come on. The spirit says come. The bride says come, come on. Come on, come on, seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom. You're distracted. You're watching everything else. You're playing games all day and night and you can't spend five minutes praying. The devil's got you right where he wants you. You're so distracted you can't feel God. Come on, come on. Cry out against your insensitivity. Come on, cry out against your coldness. Come on. Oh, 